This is the woman behind the business, featuring honest dialogue that advances and inspires women entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Angel Livis. This week on The Woman Behind the Business, building literacy through creative expression. You know me, I'm your host, Angel Livis, and today we're continuing our track of women who are taking ownership of their creative expression while also being the boss of multiple businesses. Our first guest uses letters to create words that can ultimately change the world. Antoinette Lawrence has written and published three children's books and uses storytelling to engage, enlighten, and equip our youth with literacy tools for success. Think about it. Have you ever read a great book? I mean, the kind where the pages that seem to turn by themselves. Well, Antoinette's books are crafted to capture the attention of young readers while also providing positive information that they can relate to. Antoinette has a master's degree in counseling and a second master's in educational leadership. She was featured as an author in the 2018 Congressional Black Caucus and has been invited to read her books to children throughout the DMV. Welcome to the show, Antoinette. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, I would be remiss if I did not start the show off to say that Antoinette is also a distinguished and illustrious lady of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, and she has been for over 20 years. So let's start by this question. How important is community service to you? Well, community service is very important. Um, Outside of doing a lot of community service with the sorority, um, growing up, we were always taught to give back to the community. Mm -hmm. Um, My aunt started a Young Ladies Against Teen Pregnancy um, organization back in the early 90s, and our main goal was community service. We did cleanup projects in the neighborhood. We did um, volunteerism at the... um, the elderly homes with uh, around Christmas time and just uh, singing Christmas carols to them. So community service has been embedded in me for a very long time. Okay. No, and I think that's absolutely wonderful and a huge accomplishment. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Now, as an author, where did your desire to write derive? So uh, growing up, I always had a big imagination. I remember when we were living in Alaska and the teacher called my mom when I was like in the first grade and she was like, where did she come from? She was okay, like, wait a second. Let me let me back this up real quick. <laughs> I love how she just said when we were living in Alaska, like that's just something that everybody does. <laughs> So we were there because uh, my brother's father was stationed there in the military. So I lived there for about four years, um, elementary years. And the teacher called my mom and was like, it's show and tell. And she just told this big story about how she was in the closet. And then she came out and then she started performing. It was just a whole production. So I always had a huge imagination. So um, with the children's books, I just look into the things that I see around me that I saw growing up that I experienced and I was just like you know what I could put these stories into a book Mm -hmm. and so that's how it started now you also self-publish your works Mm -hmm. so what was that process like so I um, researched a lot of different self-publishing companies Mm -hmm. and um, my first one was published through uh, a publishing company and then the third one I went on my own and self-published on my own 
And that was, um, it took about six or seven months to kind of put everything together. I have an amazing illustrator who I've used from the beginning. She's based out of Atlanta, Georgia. And um, I went to her and I said, hey, I want to write a book. And she was like, well, let me know when you're ready. And I'm, I'm here for you. So then, like I said, I researched the companies. I put my story together. I had three people edit the books for me. Mm-hmm. I always get three different um, people to read and edit over the books for me. And then I send everything to her. She does the illustration. She formats everything for me. And then we um, send it to the company. The self-publishing company will actually print the books up. So it's about six to seven months to get all of that done. Now, that's not including writing. That's no. Just- well, yeah, the writing piece, um, see, with me, if I get in a moment where I write, I'll take a day to put a whole book together. Like, last summer, I said... But these set- are kids' books. Hold right. on, y'all. Let me, let me clarify for all my listeners out there that's like, a day? I've been working on this for five years. Right. So, these are children's books. No more than about 27 pages. The right. illustrations is what captures the audience. When I go to schools, the kids love to see the pictures. They love the story, too. But these are children's books. And um, if I get in that zone... I just sit there for a day and I just write the whole story. Now, how like, well, actually, what is the demographic of your um, your books? Like, who are you targeting? They're children's books, but who is your audience? So um, just newborn to maybe like sixth grade, because some of my books I've used in the past when I taught special education as a writing lesson for my students. So I remember is basically a timeline of events that happened to a young girl, just remembering stories that her mother and grandmother shared with her over years from newborn to like school age. Mm-hmm. Like when she was young, she was so fancy. She would go take off a dirty diaper, go grab a clean one and lay down and wait for someone to change her. Mm-hmm. So it started from newborn and it went up to her having to sit at the um, table with the little kids at the family reunion. So Mm -hmm. she was about like in fourth grade at that time. Mm -hmm. So I use it as a writing tool for my students. And who is the little girl? Well, me. The I remember is me. (laughs) Okay, so wait a second. So in other words, you're talking unless you used to pull your diaper off and be like, yo, I'm ready. Absolutely. My grandmother told me that story. She was like, when you was a little girl, you were so just prissy prissy she was like (laughs) you would take off your dirty diaper go get another one lay down and wait for somebody to change you i was like really she was like yes you did that (laughs) and then another story i can give you another story um once my aunt was watching me my great aunt actually and my mother thought that i was lost they didn't know where i was but because i was so small i slid in between the headboard and the mattress So when my mom came in, they were all freaked out trying to figure out where I was. But I had slid in between the headboard and the mattress. So I put that in the story. Mm -hmm. And then just when you were little, taking your toys into the bathtub. Mm -hmm. And when we grew up in our neighborhood um, back in Norfolk, Virginia, we loved to play double dutch. Double dutch was life. So we would play so long that we would have to get home before the streetlights came on. Mm -hmm. So that's a page in the story. Um, We would play outside. Until it get dark. Double Dutch was life. Mm-hmm. Yes. So those are just different memories that I remember, you know, growing up, family members sharing with me. So that was, I remember. Now, how did you go about deciding what publishing company that you would want to work with? So I researched um, a different. And you can name names. We name drop. Oh. <laughs> so Outskirts Press is who I used the first time. Mm-hmm. And they had an amazing um, package mm-hmm. with, um, 
the formatting with how many books I would get the first go round. And um, I like that package. I have a website through them and I went through them the first time. The second time around, I just researched and I was like, okay, I can just cut out the middleman and kind of do it myself for printing purposes Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I went through Create Space Mm -hmm. and Amazon. Amazon, Mm -hmm. Yes. And even with um, Outskirts Press, uh, my books are on Amazon as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And what was the process like for you? Um, Because I feel like sometimes people are so overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. like by the writing process, they they're like, yo, I'm barely writing these pages. And now it's, you know, if if I just focus on writing a manuscript, then Mm -hmm. I'm fishing it out, trying to figure out who's going to like receive me. But then if I decide to do it on my own, I don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. So how did you decide, like, yo, this time I'm going to cut out the middleman. I'm going to work with this particular company. What was important to you? So the important piece was the um, the money. Like when you're working with <laughs> when you cut out the middleman, you get more back from sales, a property and prop from profit and sales. Right. So it's basically the printing of the book because I do all the marketing. I do all of my social media. I do set up all of my visits, schools, book events um, out of state. So I'm the main person getting all of those um, events and um, features. So I just cut out the middleman and I said, hey, basically all I need is the printing piece of it. My editors, they read everything. My illustrator, she's in place. And the company, they just print the, print the books for me and just um, it's already formatted through their standards because my illustrator, which is Lauren Lacey, she's um, in Atlanta. She does all of that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to um, deciding or not even really deciding, but when you sit down to write, I feel like one of the main things that I hear people complain about is <sighs> writer's block. Mm-hmm. I don't know where to start. I don't know what people really want to know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people really want to hear from me. So how, for you, I think it may be a little different because you're writing from the standpoint of fiction. Mm-hmm. But I think I find with a lot of like nonfiction writers mm-hmm. They're like, yo, what is important? What is it that people are going to want to hear and learn from me? Do you ever like have any of those fears when you go to write, even though you're writing nonfiction? And I guess for me, um, you do have a fear because in your mind, you're like, oh, gosh, I put out this book because in the beginning I felt that way. I sat on my first book for a while because I was like, oh, my gosh, what if people don't like it? What if I don't sell you? You get all of those things are going through your mind with anything you're starting new. But then I went to this event um, in New York. It was a black history program and um, it was a featured authors there, different vendors. And she wrote a book and I was like, this is so cool. And I said, I started writing a book and she was like, what are you waiting for? She was like, finish it. She was like, only you can tell your story mm-hmm. and it's your story. Nobody else's story. And she said, either they're going to like it or they're not. And when she said that to me, I was like, you know what? You're exactly right. I got over my fear. I went home. I finished it. And it was done. Now, is your book catered to the African-American community? Like your storytelling, do they see themselves or is it, you know, multicultural? Like what can people expect when they look at your compilation of books? So the covers are all Mm African-American. But when you go through the story, like the first book I remember, um, 
there's multiculturalism in the book. Mm-hmm. My second book, my dad, my granddad and me, it's catered to um, my brother and his relationship with my nephews and how he's their um, go-to guy and he's their motivator. And I saw that and that's how I wrote the book, um, My Dad, My Granddad and Me. And then a lot of people that I met at different events, they were like, we need something for boys. And so I just, the things that I see, the things that I saw, uh, memories, I put all of those things into the story and it catered to, like I said, mainly the African-American community and how you can relate to boys getting their first haircut and um, the dad telling stories about his first Afro to -hmm. his grandson and they're Mm -hmm. all sitting around storytelling. And um, Dana the Diva, you know, she's flashy. She has friends that are multicultural. Her friends that come over for sleepover. She has white friends. She has Asian friends. She has Puerto Rican friends. They're all just living life, having sleepover, doing girl things. Right. So, yeah. Now, being that you have worked in the school systems for mm-hmm. a while, you have two master's degrees, one in counseling, one in education, um, your books... So yesterday, I um, my son, my oldest son, who's six in kindergarten, his teacher sent home their assignment, and their assignment is to write a book report. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Yo, you're six. You're writing a book report? Like this is serious, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know?" But from you as an author having the background in education, do you cater your books to a certain age group or? to certain reading levels because one of the things that it said in the book report was okay by Monday you need to come and -hmm. present what your book is and based on what you present we'll approve it Mm -hmm. and me I'm like okay well I want I want a little black book I want a book about you know that's Mm going to empower him encourage him Mm -hmm. for him to study and read about Mm -hmm. so how do you kind of go about or do you even take it into consideration? Like, you know, can this book be used in a book report or for this, you know, um, kindergarten age group, first mm-hmm. grade age group where the, the child can sit down and read the book? Mm-hmm. And yes, I take all of that into consideration. Like I said, um, my target audience is from because I have parents who will come in and buy and purchase books if I'm at an event. Oh, it's my baby. I'll read to my baby. Or um, I had an adult. I was at an event in Raleigh and she was grown, a 45 year old woman because it had her name on it. She purchased the book. She was just so excited to see her name mm-hmm. on a book. So when I write, I, I think more of school age elementary. Mm-hmm. But then I also think, you know who would this book touch or who would it reach? Because you may read something in the story. A lot of adults, when I'm reading, they're like, oh my gosh, I remember that. I used to do that. Yes, we had to be home before the streetlights came on. So I really don't like kind of target a specific, but I just kind of like make sure that it's catered for school age Mm -hmm. students. Yes. All right. Well, that makes sense. Now, have you thought about writing nonfiction books? I have like I wrote a story in college um, and the title, I have the title and everything. I started writing it and everything, but then I stopped because I'm like, 
No, it's a lot. <laughs> it's it, real. It's real. It's a lot. It's a lot. It was a, a story of a, a family member and just things that this family member went through. And then at the end, he comes out to be the valedictorian. He overcame a lot of stuff. But I just I had everything in my head, but I just never sat down and put it on paper because children's books to me are fun. They're colorful. Um, I love to see the smiles on kids' faces when they can relate. So I, I eventually I will uh, go out <laughs> of the children book um, category mm-hmm. category and move that way. But right now I just like the fun part of it. And, and then, I feel like a kid's book you can knock out like way quicker. Like you talking about twenty seven pages nonfiction. It's a hundred page minimum for right. at least, you know, right. the most part. Like if you want a solid, you know, piece of work. Yes. Like I said, and um, I have a new book that'll be coming out probably by the end of the year. My brother told me a story that they lost their dog. Mm. So I sat home and I wrote the whole story about a family and their dog and how the dog goes missing and everybody's sad. One day. Hmm. Yes, that's the fourth one. And one day, and my imagination just went. And I was just like, oh, this happened. And the family goes looking in the neighborhood and they can't find it. So, <laughs> so that leads me to, like, how do you start the character building? Because I feel like that would be so much fun. Like, mm-hmm. building your characters, deciding, like, who they are, what their temperaments are, how they relate to other people. How do you go about your character biz- building phase of writing? So a lot of my characters are based on my family. Mm. Like Dana the Diva she's my little cousin. When she was little, she would walk around the house in the shoes and stomping around and put on all the clothes, the fancy clothes. And I was like, that's Dana. That's my cousin. But some of the things that Dana does in the book was me invited all of my friends over for a sleepover without asking my mom until they showed up at the door. And then she had no choice but to say, yeah, because all of my friends are like, can we spend the night? <laughs> Did you end so, up beaten? No, no, no. She, I mean, because <laughs> she just said yes, because that's what we did growing up. You know, you just always spent the night sleepover at your friend's house. But she couldn't say no because all of the girls, like six girls. Girl, are- <laughs> let me tell you about a woman from Detroit. <laughs> My mom would have been like, um, baby. <laughs> I'm telling you. And she, I asked her, I was like, you remember that? She was like, yeah. She was like. That's what y'all used to do all the time. So wow. we, I mean, in the neighborhood growing up, we just love sleepovers. They were just the fun thing to do. So, yeah. <sighs> wow. That is so amazing. Now, before the books and the boutique, what was life like for Antoinette? So I was a special education um, teacher for 12 years. I taught three years in middle school and then I taught nine years at elementary. Um then I started venturing out and writing my books and um, doing my boutique stuff, which I started the boutique in 2015. But before author, before boutique, boutique I was an educator. And now, I still am. Now, and so talk to us a little bit about the work that you still do in the education realm. So I don't work with students Mm -hmm. one-on-one. I actually work with teachers now. So I go in and I coach teachers. I mentor teachers. I um, help them um, with instruction. I help them with planning. Um, And these are in the D.C. public schools, D.C. charter schools. In Prince George's County. Prince George's County. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. 
So that's what I do. I'm, I'm a mentor teacher. So I'm a mentor to the teachers. And how does that either complement or make it a little bit harder for you to do your passion work, which is the writing of books and your boutique? So the not, once I leave work, I leave work at work. I make time for my full nine to five per se. And then on weekends, I do my author events. I do my boutique events. And then being an educator, I'm out in the summer. So I have about six or seven weeks to do all of my traveling to different states for book Mm -hmm. events or vendor events in the area. Okay. Yeah. So it's balance. (laughs) Now, what drove you to say, you know what? I'm ready to step out on my own. I'm ready to launch. And we're going to get into the boutique in the second half Mm -hmm. of the show. So I don't want to dive into that. But the writing part, like, because there had to be something that occurred in your life that made you say, Today is the day that I'm about to start writing. So, and I'll tell you that story. One day I was in um, the bookstore in Hyattsville. They used to have a bookstore. I think it was called Caribou or Mm. one of the bookstores in Hyattsville. And um, I went to hear, uh, they had a feature author there. And I I was in the children's section and I'm going through. And I'm like, what? I said, picking out books to read to my students for um, uh, a picture book to read to my students. And I said, you know what? I could do this. The kids love the illustrations and my story is my story, Mm -hmm. but they're really amazed by the colors on the page, the characters. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. And that day I went home and I started writing. I remember. And like I said, I paused because I got that fear of, oh, my gosh, nobody's going to. What if no one wants to purchase the book? What if no one likes the story? What if it's not? you know gonna do well so then you get that fear Mm -hmm. and then when the young lady when I was in New York told me to finish it I finished it so that day when I was in that bookstore looking through the books in the children's book sections that would that's the day that I went home and I started writing now how do you stay motivated it's one thing to say okay this occurred to get me started Mm -hmm. but years later to be able to say this is why I keep doing this. And the reason why is because when I go to a school and to see the the faces and the smiles and the expressions on the students' faces when they see um, a black face to a, to a book, mm-hmm. they are so amazed that, oh, my God, I'm actually meeting an author. Mm-hmm. So that motivates me. That keeps me going. And it pushes me to continue to write, write, write. Like I said, I'm working on, I have the fourth one already in in production for illustrations and Dana the Diva will be a series. It's already written. Um, That's the next one in line for my illustrator to um, work on. But that motivates me just to see the look on the kids' faces to actually, they can read about a lot of authors, but to actually see an author in their school at a community event, it's amazing. I agree. I mm-hmm. totally agree. Well, this has been so informative. And um, I mean, as a fellow author, um, it's always good to find out what works, what authors go through, um, and to hear those little nuggets of goodness of celebration and how you mm-hmm. overcome obstacles. So thank you for sharing your process with us and just some of the different things that you've gone through. And when we You're return, welcome. we're going to introduce our listeners to the woman behind Top Level Boutique. So stay with us.
Welcome to the WBB Legal Minute featuring Nyasha West. She's the principal attorney at West Law Firm, where she specializes in business law and family law and bankruptcy. Today, we're going to have a quick conversation about the different ways to get your business established. Now, Nyasha, what are those different entities that you can choose from when it comes time to establish your business? The most popular entities that most business owners um, choose to go with when forming their businesses are a sole proprietorship, LLCs, or a corporation. Um, and the entity that you choose depends on what the business is that you're getting into. If you're getting into a business where you'll have very low interaction with the public and therefore very low liability, um, then a sole proprietorship may be a good option for you. Um, if you're getting into any other business where you're going to be interacting with pr- the public, se- um, selling them goods or services, then you would want to choose an LLC or a corporation. Um, and the reason is, is because um, th- with those entities, the business owner is personally protected. So your assets are personally protected. So if I have a business and my business is a store and somebody comes into my store and slips and falls. If I have an LLC or a corporation, the person who slipped and fell would sue the company and they wouldn't sue me. Mm -hmm. So what this means is that my house and my personal assets are protected and they would be limited to the assets of the, of the The company. company. Yes. Okay. Now really quickly, what's the difference between an S corp and a corp? So an S-Corp is a corporation that doesn't have self-employment taxes, um, whereas a corporation has a whole host of other um, of other taxes that the um, business would have to pay. Um, the biggest problem, not problem, but with uh, C-Corporations, um, the business owner may be subjected to double taxation mm-hmm. um, on their dividends. With the S-Corp, um, they wouldn't be subjected to double taxation. Okay. All right. Wonderful. This was great. Thank you so much for sharing this legal minute with us. You're welcome. All right. To learn more, how do people get in contact with you? You can contact me at the West Law Firm. My website address is nawestlaw.com or my telephone number is 301-798-4100. All right. Awesome. Thank you. And stay tuned for the rest of The Woman Behind the Business. Welcome back to the Woman Behind the Business Talk Show. I'm your host, Angel Livis, and we have been speaking with Antoinette Lawrence, author and owner of Top Level Boutique. Now, we've gotten the lowdown on your writing, Antoinette. Talk to me a little bit more about how and why you started Top Level Boutique. So, um, as I said before, I love uh, creativity. I love fashion. I love dressing up. So, um, I went to this event once before and I just sat back and I saw how women love to just dress up Mm -hmm. and I told myself you know what I'm about to jump into this fashion thing I love like styling myself so I said let me just give it a try and then once again you know you have that fear of what if no one wants to purchase your stuff what if they don't like it and I just said you know what forget it you gotta stop having all of these negative thoughts and just just jump into it so um I Went to New York and I purchased a couple of styles and I just uh, social media started posting stuff and saying, hey, I'm starting a new uh, venture. This is what it's called. 
put a few pictures out there. People were like, okay, I like that. I like that. And I went through the whole spiel of um, my brand name, register my business. And it just all started from there. Now, going to New York and picking out your styles. Mm-hmm. What was that process like? Because I know you're not walking into Macy's. I know okay. you're not walking <laughs> into Lord & Taylor or Neiman Marcus. So right. what was that process like going into like a distributor mm-hmm. or manufacturer to say, these are the styles that I want to represent my brand. Right. So I did my research first. I said to myself, what is it that I like? Mm. Right. And so um, what would I wear? What do I think is cute? What do I think is trendy? Um, What is fashionable? Mm. If it's something that I like, then I think people would like that as well. <laughs> You're like, I at least got to start from For myself. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. If I want to, if I want to wear it, if I want to rock it, I said, you know what? I'm sure people would too. So I, I researched a couple of wholesalers in New York and I went in and it was overwhelming because I was standing there like, oh my God, where do I start? So the first thing I saw was this pink and green um, jumpsuit with the back out, the neck. And I was like, okay, Let's start there. So I, I picked that out and I had a couple of other styles, skirts, tops. And like I said, I, I put it out there on social media and people were like, yeah, I like that. I like that. And I paired it with a blazer or something else. I mit- mixed and matched pieces. Mm-hmm. So then that's that's how it went from there. Now, how often do you find um, that you are wearing the clothes And that helps with your sales. Oh, all the time. Like every time I go somewhere, I try to wear something that is a part of my boutique, whether it's earrings, whether it's sunglasses, whether it's a necklace, whether it's a shirt or dress or something. Mm -hmm. When I'm out at an event, when I'm at work or anything, even if I'm selling my books, I wear something that represents top level boutique. I kind of... Uh, cross promote promote yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. because if I walk in a room and someone's like oh my god that shirt is cute oh um it's a part of my boutique here's my business card okay what's your website what's your Instagram I'm just like a walking billboard right yes now do you actually have a brick and mortar or is it something that is primarily online everything is online so if you if you see something that I may have on and you see me and I say okay well here's the website you go in you order it I send it to you now, do you have stylist parties? Um, no, that's a good idea. You've never had a stylist party? No, that is a good idea. I love that idea. Girl, okay. Do you know how they work? I kind of think. Like the other night I was thinking about something because I'm always, my mind is always going. Uh-huh. Because I'm like, the next step is trying to do a fashion truck. And then I was thinking about doing pop-up shops. You know how people promote mm-hmm. like um, jewelry parties and yeah. all different types of parties. So I was my next thought, like I said the other night, I was thinking I should start doing like pop-up shops, like mm-hmm. having people just host a party and they bring samples. And then the person who hosts gets credit towards purchasing the items. Mm-hmm. Is that the similar? Um, or I would even say like for your pop-up shops, like doing pop-ups at like, and, when, and I think mm-hmm. that you do this, mm-hmm. like different, like um, events. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do. Where it's kind of like, hey, you know, we'll be set up from the sun this time instead of calling it a vendor event, a pop-up shop. Mm-hmm. You know, just using words to kind of boost whatever it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's, I, I like that. that idea. Yeah. But I think having a stylist party, like, what's the, um, what's it, Cabbie? 
Have you ever gone to like a cabbie party or? Never heard of it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Maybe I'm dating myself. Um, but like, kind of like how they have Mary Kay parties. Okay. Okay. You know, like where they have all the makeup out, whatever people come, whatever. Or cabbie parties. Like cab- cabbie has a clothing line as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you come, you shop, you eat, mm-hmm. you kind of. It's like just fellowship like with your girls and kind of like you said like the concept of like whoever's hosting they get Mm -hmm. like a discount off their um whatever purchases they want but then also it's helping promote whatever it is that you're doing or you can have stylist parties at your home at Mm -hmm. your place Mm -hmm. yeah where you know everybody comes out their champagne little hors d'oeuvres and people are just like shopping and if they're if they come nine times out of ten if somebody comes to that type of event they're going to purchase something i don't care if it's the cheapest thing in in the spot Mm -hmm. they're gonna purchase something and if you're advertising oh free drinks and hors d'oeuvres people will come oh absolutely (laughs) even if you market it to like your immediate group of friends Mm -hmm. and say hey and and that's a way to tell them like hey you can do this and you can come to like or um, to host one of these events. Yeah, that's so, I like that. Something, just an idea. Yeah, I like that. Like <laughs> I said, I was thinking about it the other the other night. Like I said, my mind is always going. And I was thinking the fashion truck, and then I was thinking sort of like a like you said. I just didn't know the name that it was called. Mm-hmm. Now, how long have you had your boutique? Since 2015 is when I started. In May of 2015 is okay. when I first was in New York. So and you're I going started. on four years. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, do you work with like brand ambassadors or anything like that to help boost your brand? Kind of like how you said, like for you, you're a walking billboard. But for other people, you know, do you bring people into the equation to help you with sales? Mm-hmm. So um, I sell sizes small to 3XL. So sometimes what I would do is if it's a style that I want to get out there, I'll send it to people. I'll just say, hey, I want to send you something. Um, you ain't never sent me nothing. You, we'll get to that. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. Kyle is cracking up. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I promise I got you. So I'll if... um. Someone, I'll just say, hey, I got this new style. Um, I want you to wear it. Oh, cool. I'm having a birthday gathering. I'll wear it there. And then I just said, just shout me out. Top level boutique. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So what style of clothing can people expect that are unfamiliar with what top level boutique offers? What can they expect when they come to your website? So um, you can expect something casual. Um Dressy if you're going out to a party, if you're going to a formal event. I have people who will call me and say, um, I'm going to a gala. I need a gold dress. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm on it. I'm searching different sites. I'm 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 so I'm I'm the stylist too. Mm-hmm. And so um I'll just say it's just style by me. It didn't come from my boutique, but I found it on this site or I found it at this place, but I styled this person. Mm-hmm. So you, it just depends on whatever occasion. If you want to look chill, um, like I said, if you want a cute little sexy black dress, whatever the occasion, I, 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 I got you. Now, what about quality? Oh, all of my stuff is good quality. And if if it's something that someone purchases and there's it's damaged, I'll always say, hey, you know, it comes from a manufacturer. So I, I look through all of my merchandise before I get it. But sometimes I you oversee it. Maybe a hole in a pocket. You don't know. Mm-hmm. I'll say, hey, I'll give you a refund 
or you could switch out for another item. Most of the time, they'll just say, oh, just credit me the whatever back because mm-hmm, I'll mm-hmm. be back to shop with you again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I always, um, and even I take trips to L.A. I just went in January. When I tell you it was over 500 or more um, wholesalers out there, I, I just lost my mind. So I was able to go into the showrooms, feel the material, look, styles that weren't even out yet. So mm-hmm. I was able to see all of that stuff. Um, before they even put it out there to other vendors to purchase. Now, of your ventures, what are you most excited about? Like, uh, what gets you excited? About being an author and... Well, of, uh, of everything that you do, like, which one? Like, I feel like most people, when they come in, like, especially if they have multiple things that they do, I can tell, like, this is your baby. Like, you love this. Which one is your baby? I, the fashion is. I love writing my, I love being an author. I love to see the smiles on the kids' faces. But when it comes to the fashion, I love to be able to see a woman put on something and feel so good about it. Step outside of her comfort zone and trust me. Because a lot of people are stuck in their ways and they're just like, oh no, I don't wear this. And I'm like, just trust me. Just this one time, I think you should wear that. Just trust me. And when they reach out to me. They're like, oh my God, I felt so good. I got so many compliments. It just makes me feel good because you're trusting me with your look and to make you feel good and boost your self-esteem at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that that gives me that gives me life. Now, have you ever considered, and I'm not trying to make this an angel marketing um, session, <laughs> but have you ever considered like pairing the two, like your books mm-hmm. and your boutique? Um, for to boost confidence and esteem of young people. Oh, that's a good idea. I never and I, ne- I once I tried to um have books on the table when I was doing a fashion event, but I feel like they're kind of different. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when I do book events, um, it's children events or just strictly books. Mm-hmm. And then when you're doing fashion, it's more fashion. Yeah. So I kind of like separate the two. Mm-hmm. Unless it's um, someone personally that I know, I'll bring a couple of books to put on the side and then I'll have. But if it's an event catered for kids, I'm not yeah. taking top level boutique. Or if it's a book event somewhere out of state, I'm not. Now, do you ha- provide children's clothes or is it just women? Just adults, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I have a lot of people ask men. Um, I love how men dress, but they're they're a whole different ball game. <laughs> men are, yeah. I'll stick with the ladies. <laughs> Now, what's next? I know we have this one book that is about to come out. What's mm-hmm. what's coming up outside of the book? Um, so, as as far as with fashion, mm-hmm. um, I'm in my mind. I'm 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 moving towards a um, fashion truck. I started getting my um, things together to put that out there with a fashion truck, and then I want to go into styling, like styling for magazines, um, video shoots, um, commercials. Mm -hmm. So I want to move into that um, That area. Yeah, Mm -hmm. movies, being able to style the... um, Because even some of the... A couple of movies that I saw, I saw people with some of the stuff that I get from my vendors out in LA. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we kind of have the same kind of style. So (laughs) I can do this. So that's that's, that's my next goal. Confirmation. Yes. That's my next goal to move into that um, styling area and the fashion um, booth. Fashion truck. Now, one of the things that I always like to inquire about is relationships. Mm -hmm. I feel like women bosses, sometimes we have everything happening in the business space, but 
we have a hard time managing the relationship sector. Mm-hmm. How do you manage? Well, a lot of um, relationships that I have are um, a lot of my customers, I would say, are my sorority sisters, family, friends, people that I meet out in different areas. I, myself, I am big on 100% customer service. So when I'm out doing events, I give the utmost. Boo, this is still work. I'm talking about your relationship. Uh, give me right. Like, <laughs> relationships right. as in women relationships? No, or girl. Like, well, men. I don't know. Well. Oh, like, rela- <laughs> see, you gotta clarify. She said relationships. So I'm thinking business. In business, we good. I said, how are you in the other? Okay. Oh, with dating. Okay, let's, okay. So relationships as in dating. So yes. when I meet people, um, when I'm out, I meet people. I don't tell them what I do. Yeah. I don't. I'll say I work in education and then eventually I will bring in, oh, I'm an author. Oh, I have a boutique. Because the first thing a man would say is, oh, you too busy. Mm-hmm. So I don't even bring in the other two things. I I bring it in later. Mm -hmm. So other than that, I mean, everything is chill. I gradually bring it in. But then the people that I've dated are cool with what I do. Mm -hmm. They're supportive. Um, My friend is supportive, motivating. You need me to help you. You know, people in the past that I've dated, you need me to come to the event to help you out. Um, What about this idea? You know how you were throwing out ideas, throwing out ideas. So... Yeah, I haven't found anybody that's like negative or kind of throw me under the bus or, you know, jealous. Yeah. But yeah. But you you make time for it. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely make time. I make time um, because I think that's important. Mm -hmm. You can't just be all work, work, work. You had to have some time for that, too. But you know how men are. They'll. Oh, you're too busy. (laughs) <laughs> you like regardless yeah regardless I'm gonna make time for you so don't worry about that right so yeah I don't bring it in until later on okay yeah alright awesome alright so we have come to the point in the time in the show where we are going to head into our moments from the valley mm-hmm. now this is a time that you did not know how you were gonna overcome a particular situation mm-hmm. um, so we would love for you to share what that situation was how you overcame it, and what was waiting for you on the other side. We're going to give you some time to think about it. And while you are thinking, we are going to listen to a little bit of Lettucey. Stay tuned. Oh 
All right, y'all. That was a great song. It's a great segue to get us started into the moments from the valley. All right. And so you ready, Antoinette? Yep, I'm ready. All right. Go ahead. So um, I'll give you a quick situation that took place. Um, Before I moved to Maryland, I was living in Raleigh. I was working uh, two jobs in school, getting my master's from um, North Carolina Central. And um, I was working for this company doing mental health because before I started education, I was doing therapy. And um, the job where I was working told us that the company filed for bankruptcy. So mind you, we hadn't gotten paid for about a month and a half, right? So um, there was two different situations. I had a boss who reached out and um, she was like, hey, I'll give you $200 to help with your gas, whatever whatever you need. And, um, you know, just give it back whenever you need it. It wasn't just me. It was another colleague as well, because we were kind of like managing ourselves. We were mental health workers and we made our own hours. We were like our own boss, sort mm-hmm. of say. And so then it was time for rent. Right. And mind you, I hadn't gotten paid in a um in almost uh, six weeks. It wasn't just me. It was therapists. It was psychiatrists, all of us. And so um, my rent was due and um, my refund check from school wasn't back yet. So I had to reach out to a family member and me. I'm the type of person that I don't like to really ask for help. Like I'm usually the one that people come to, you know, and so I had to I had to humble myself and I had to say, hey, I need help. So I reached out to um, my stepfather that lives in Atlanta and he came through for me. And um, I said, I promise I'll get it back to you. And as soon as I got my refund check, I gave it back to him. Right. And so then long story short, I moved to Maryland. I got a job as a therapist. And um, a month later, I go to the mailbox and um, they, they were sending papers saying that they were filing a lawsuit against the company. People were embezzling money. And I just didn't think anything of it. I'm like, OK, whatever. So um, moved to Maryland. Fast forward three months later, um, I went to the mailbox. It was a check for $3,000. And I mean, when I tell you I broke down in tears because I just moved, you know, I just started a new job, was getting on my feet, you know, just trying to make things work out. And that $3,000 check came from when we didn't get paid for that month or so. And I was just so grateful. Mm -hmm. So, 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 so grateful. And I even sent my dad money just because, because I you know, had that there to give to him. I always love the moments from the Valley. Like, I mean, things can be going so awry and just wrong in your life. And then you hear somebody's story Mm -hmm. about how they overcame. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you had to humble yourself. You went through, you know, I can only imagine the conversations that you had with yourself before even building mm-hmm. up the courage mm-hmm. to reach out to your stepdad mm-hmm. to say, hey, can you help? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, thank you so much for sharing your yeah. journey with us. Um, I think that that's incredibly important and um, we greatly appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. So at this, this time, would you like to share any social media information so people can follow you, either um, your author pages or mm-hmm. your um, the boutique? So on Instagram for my books, I am at AMLBooks1. And for Top Level Boutique, I am just at Top Level Boutique. Uh, my website is TopLevelBoutique.com and AMLBooks.com. Yay. 
All right, awesome. All right, so we have come to the end of the show. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, that is our show for today. So please be sure to check out Pat's broadcasts on our website, wbbtalk.com, and pick up your copy of the Washington Informer to see the woman behind the business spotlight section. And of course, follow us on social media at WBBTalk. Don't forget that we will be hosting our Vision 2020 conference in Nassau, Bahamas, February 20th through 24th at the Bahamar Resort and and, um, Conference Center. And it's all about how you will be utilizing scripture to propel you to new dimensions. Registration is now available at wbbtalk.com backslash registration. A special thank you to our show producer, Kyle Murdoch, and our program director, Max Myrick. Until next time, stay blessed.